Hello and welcome to the Coaches and Leaders Assemble podcast, the podcast for all things coaching, leadership, people and culture with me, Laura Royal from DNA Coach. And it's my pleasure to announce the very first of a series of guest interview episodes. So in today's episode, we feature Paul Cheatham from Paul Cheatham Coaching and Consulting, sharing all things emotional intelligence with Paul's very unique style. You will absolutely love this episode. I have no doubt about it. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, head on over to www.dnacoach.co.uk forward slash podcast and get registered. Our subscribers will receive toolkits that accompany some of our episodes and this is one of them. So without further ado, here is the lovely interview I held with Paul Cheatham a couple of weeks ago. I hope you love it as much as I enjoyed Paul and I's conversation. Enjoy. Welcome Paul Cheatham from Paul Cheatham Coaching and Consulting. How the devil are you? I'm pretty damn good today, Laura. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm really excited to be chatting all things emotional intelligence. I am buzzing. Um, Paul, you and I, I feel like we're kindred spirits of some um, particular way, shape or form because I think we followed each other on LinkedIn for quite some time before we'd met in person a couple of years ago at the People Power event in Newcastle, yeah. which was fab if we can cast our minds back till then. Yeah. And I just love what you do. And of course, that led me to invite you to be one of our guest speakers back in June of this year at the Coaches and Leaders Assemble Conference in Newcastle at the Delight Maldron Hotel. Yeah. It was a fab day, wasn't it? Fab event. Oh, I absolutely loved it. And I think um, you know, obviously I, I love doing my bit, but just to see the range of awesome speakers and and um to be part of, I guess, the the room of like listening to them was incredible. But um it wasn't just the content, I think, of the, the sessions, it was very much also around the feeling that was generated. And I think um uh these podcasts always like people bigging things up. Oh, I love what you do, but actually genuinely, I think you created like such a special atmosphere that I really think that if you put one on again I think people will come back yes for the speakers whoever they may be but actually just for the warmth and I think the connectivity um, uh, people feeling like they're in something together was fabulous so um, I'm going to come back in one form or the next time. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. Um, I mean, obviously, we're doing this radio show style today, so we can't see one another, but I'm genuinely sitting just grinning from ear to ear and blushing a little bit because <laughs> it was just, oh, honestly, such a great fun event. And I love going to things like that as well as, a, as an audience member and a participant. So it's just making those types of events as inclusive and as comfortable as possible for everything. Yeah. And of course, on that lovely day, you shared all things emotional intelligence. And I thought, how best to get you involved even more let's get you on the podcast so thank you so much for of course doing the coaches and leaders assemble conference and also agreeing to today so first things first Paul tell us all about your lovely self who you are what you do what your business is to get us started uh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, I think probably the first thing I was, uh, I'll take you back to when I was a little baby, <laughs> a human being <laughs> first and foremost. And I think yes. sometimes forget that when we grow up and we do jobs and the jobs define us. But 
before we were any of those things. We're, we're a human being first and foremost. Um, it's just a shame it took me about 47 years to, to realise that was probably the critical part. So, yeah, I'm a son, I'm a, a brother, I'm a friend, but also a husband, a dad, a granddad. Um, but, yes, for, from a, a work point of view, um, my background was in uh, HR across tons of different sectors, which was really good because I, I guess I got exposure to um, working in universities and uh, laboratories and utilities and technology and manufacturing. So it's just really brilliant because you get to work with such a, a range of fantastic people with with amazing abilities. Um, and the uh, I, I loved doing um, HR, even though I sort of fell into it a little bit. It was, uh, you know, there was changes in the organisation. Somebody said, oh, do you want to do this personnel thing? And she said, oh, go on then. Um, uh, See, and now you're giving away how, how long ago that might have been, Paul, because know, you said personnel. I know. I know. <laughs> it was sort of there, you know, late 80s, maybe early uh, 90s. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so went through those changes um, and getting to see lots. Uh, but it really was like about uh, six and a half years ago when uh, I, I went on a, like a way week. Um, it always sounds a bit like some sort of uh, cult camp. Um, I went away on um, and immersed myself for a week in emotional intelligence. Went along to the, uh, the week fully with the intention of getting some tools to do emotional intelligence to other people because they needed it. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, it really uh, starts with you. Um, and in this case, it was, it was me looking at, well, what does emotional intelligence mean for me? How the heck can I go and sort of talk to people about this if I'm not authentically trying to, uh, you know, bring these new awarenesses and skills to bear on my life and situation? Um, uh, and I, I and a bit like biting from the tree of knowledge, um, it, it 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 caused some pain because it made me examine the life that I was leading and look at emotions where I'd always push those buggers away. Um, you know, whenever I felt sort of discomfort, you know, they were just you know very much swept under a you know huge pile under the carpet that was increasingly yeah. grown. Um, we're all very good at doing that, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that, that's sort of felt as if it came naturally to me. Um, yeah. And so it not only put a lens, I guess, first and foremost, up to my life, it, it allowed me in my HR work to really look at things like how do you shape culture? How do you make plans? How do you do things on a daily basis? And how does all of the organisation do that? From even something maybe as dry as policy writing, well, you know, uh, is is sort of yeah, your written word matching the behaviours of the organisation? Um, but uh, you know, so so it, it just really was a, a new way of um, seeing the world, both in a professional sense and in a personal sense too. And that doesn't go without its challenges because I th I think most of my work as an HR person, I was always very cautious, always very considered, always very you know careful. The majority of the time, I, I would guess. Um, and maybe reluctant to share some of my feelings in maybe more of that honest, raw form. Um, there was always a bit of appeasement, I think, went on there. And so for me, um, to to see 
where I wasn't maybe sharing some of those things that were important to me and maybe not having a, I'll call it the cold face, because uh, it puts me in mind of like a book I read about Genghis Khan. He said, when he dealt with his enemies, he had this sort of cold face. It was like not showing what's going on underneath. And so um, that created sometimes a bit of disconnection. I only can look back now and cringe at maybe some of the way that I, that I manage things, but I guess you don't know what you don't know. So it led the the cautious, conservative considered me to uh, quit my 30-year career, um, you know, with all the money and safety and, and stuff and pensions and healthcare and all the lovely things that go with it, and yeah. with the pandemic to set up my own business. So oh, um, that, that's what emotional intelligence did for me. Still bloody scary, but um, I, I, I feel as if I'm living a life uh, more on purpose than I, I did before. I love that, Paul. And what's really interesting, even what you said right at the beginning there about, you know, falling into that life of personnel. And, you know, there's probably something that people recognised in you at that time, that human quality that we all seek out in the world of personal and professional development, don't we? And and there is, you know, I, I recognise that in you and I think that's why we got on so well because you've just got a delightful personality and this isn't about blowing smoke up anyone's proverbial by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely about you know the connections that we make and and who you are how you show up as a person and and the learnings that you've had from that that course what was it six and a half years ago is now you know shaped the trajectory of what your career has been since and and perhaps who you show up as a person now and the learnings and reflections that you've mentioned there so yeah. I love this I yeah. love this and it, it is amazing I think it's just um and it, you know it's not just all the beauty but it's the it's the flaws too because I think that's yeah. what you know, makes us human. It's both of those things. So being able to better embrace both of those things in myself um, uh, and also others. I think I always, you know, had that where probably I was naturally inclined to see that in others, not always, but, you know, I still think I had that, even if I didn't always show it. I think yeah. um, I'm now better at giving appreciation. I mean, certainly in, me. in the coaching that I do in the training, I like to leave every session I do, um, and sometimes even with my kids, which is, uh, like you know, not always as common as it should Priceless. be, is to yeah. leave a situation saying, this is a quality that I admire in you. Um, so I'm just getting better at that. But also, I just want to make it quite clear, if anybody's listening thinking, he seems too good to be true, uh, you know, I'm glad my wife's not sitting next to me and she's at work, because I am uh, still um, hugely flawed. Oh, Paul, you've cut out on audio. Can you still hear me? Happy okay. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Oh, you can back. You're back. You're back. Sorry. Yeah. I got. I got the part where it says you. You were happy that your uh, wife wasn't here because you. You still felt hugely flawed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, it would be nice to think less flawed than I used to be, but still, yeah. you know, that that's there. There's still those human things, and I've still got those patterns that you know stick with me or challenges that I sometimes avoid facing. But um, uh, I think it's just emotional intelligence has given me the opportunity to think about that in a in a bit more of a kind way and give myself a bit more um, grace, but also challenge too that I'm not perfect now. I probably never will be, and I won't yeah. be. Um, but but emotional intelligence has given me the framework and the wherewithal to to be able to you know see those things and maybe try and uh, try new things experiment and see where that that takes me 
love that and and I think that's a nice reflection and realization and and definitely a key component of emotional intelligence is that self-awareness perspective isn't it where you recognize the things that you're maybe still working on shaping that are maybe not always the finished product or article that would like to be but still that work in progress I think sounds like a, a really nice way to look at it so for those people listening, Paul, emotional intelligence as a phrase or a title or a model or however people might have that in their minds of what it is, I find some people might still consider that to be one of these phrases that's a little bit like, oh, emotional intelligence, what is it? And, you know, might have heard of people mentioning that or feel perhaps it's the the latest business speak or thought leader approach from, you know, big fancy gurus, but actually being able to recognise what emotional intelligence is might be really beneficial for some of our listeners. So, Paul, tell us, what is emotional intelligence? What is it all about? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the speakers out there will will have some sort of lovely phrases, which I think are all great, you know, a bit like um, blending thinking and feeling to make optimal uh, decisions, one of them there. But I always love to boil it down um, to its simplest form, um, just simply because if I can get it, then that means it's accessible for everybody. And it's just literally being more intelligent with your emotions. You know, as we grow up and we go through school, and certainly from my era, um, you get shown how to read and to, you know, to write um, uh, um, and arithmetic, you know, the three O's, which didn't ever seem to make sense. Um, <laughs> and when we joined, the, you know, university or whatever, and then the world of work, we get shown a technical skill. But like, certainly for me, um, you know, other than advice from mates or your parents and stuff, but you don't really get shown um, how to notice your emotions and what your emotions are telling you and how that impacts on your ability to bring your skills or your technical ability or your IQ to bear. Um, so just sort of being more intelligent with your emotions and use them more effectively is, a, I think, a lovely, simple way about what emotional intelligence means for me. You know what? I've written that down, and I often quite quite use the phrase "make it small um, and short enough and memorable enough that we could sew it on a pillow and sell it on an Etsy shop." <laughs> and mm. that's exactly what you've done there, Paul. I love that. Just being more intelligent with your emotions. Um, yeah. So, if I if I were to think about you know some of the examples that people might come across in the workplace, or or how some of that shows up, how how can we be more intelligent with our emotions? Um, well. Uh, I think before I get into that, so I mean, there's a there's a lovely model that I use. So the organisation I study with is called Success Engine. You can look them up. They're the largest global emotional intelligence um, network. Um, and I, I think uh, you know. So I was thinking about how I was feeling today, um, uh, and actually, there's sort of an element of, of uh, frustration still because I was I was chatting to my daughter. I went to a comedy club gig on Friday so we're in the car and we're having a chat about stuff saying how's the work how's the work stuff going and in many respects you know the work stuff's going really well but in other respects you know I'm still you know even three years in I feel like I, I don't know enough about running my own business and maybe I'm not as good at, at you know running my own business as I, as I should be in all of those uh, uh, you know words um, and there's still that bit where when I talk to organizations and I'm in front of people, you know, you see people nodding and going, yeah, that's, that all sounds great. But when it comes to really investing in it for the people, like they're not, you know, they're not prepared to, to do that. And I still think there's like a bit of a, um, 
I don't know, a, a, a lack of understanding, and that's maybe down to me not not doing all of this effectively. Um, it's like, oh, we shouldn't have emotions in the workplace. We we need to, you know, ignore these things. And yet, in our other life, I guess if you think about, you know, favorite songs. I know I sent you a link to a song this morning. Um, you, you know, it's important that resonated with you. You know, the books that we read, the TV that we watch. Um, the movies, you know, and certainly on social media, they're like absolutely dripping with with emotion in all of those areas. Yeah. And yet, like emotions in business, um, like they're a bit like sort of Cinderella. They're, um, you know, they're, they're marginalized, uh, you know, treated with disdain, ignored, uh, or maybe if you're lucky, uh, you know, moderately tolerated. Yet they're the ones really doing all the hard work when you're at work, you know, um, when you feel unhappy or, you know, contemptuous or disgusted or even like joyful or inventive and creative. Like all of those are emotions and we let all of those things either flow naturally or we hide them because, you know, one, like we're not allowing um, like the emotions to be brought to light uh, and certainly the organization doesn't create an environment for them um, uh, to, to be brought to light. So effectively, our emotions aren't allowed to go to the ball. Um, yeah. uh, we're cutting out that primal, you know, human part of ourselves. And it's just utter madness. Um, and I guess I just feel that frustration is that, like, why aren't organisations acknowledging this? Because it impacts on so many areas. It's a really a great way to define that. And and we even spoke today about that metaphor for life when I showed you the cable wire that I had for my headset, you know, a, a mild representation of what was going on in my brain at that moment in time. But it's true, isn't it? You know, when you think about, I, I remember years ago, very distinctly, a line manager of mine saying to me, um, you know, you and your people, we leave our emotions at the door. You leave your home life at the door when you come into work. But that's impossible. You cannot possibly do that because, you can't just turn your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings however you want to define that off there's not an on off switch as such and actually being able to tap into some of those things that are driving us and what we're experiencing and feeling at that time may actually help or hinder what we're doing but maybe recognizing some of it in the moment might be really powerful yeah. uh, because we're more than just the person that shows up Monday to Friday nine to five you know mm -hmm. I know that many of us work way outside those hours but thinking about that that yeah. in itself you know is is you know a, a thing that we shouldn't be thinking of anymore of switching that off we should be embracing people yeah. and how they feel yeah yeah and um you know and i like to think if we talk about a description for emotional intelligence i think uh, you know thinking about that now i think emotional intelligence is a bit like your fairy godmother um in so much as you know uh, it, it is transformational and it was for me um but the, not from an external source and not from a real external fairy godmother but actually because the fairy godmother really didn't change cinderella what the fairy godmother did was um just show cinderella at her very best um and i think that's what emotional intelligence um gives and i think it helps you I and mean, it's you know there's certainly no external prince charm and that external validation and all of the patriarchy and all that stuff um it really is about you you know, falling in love with a bit of yourself, meeting this side of you that's never been allowed to come out. Um, so uh, I know that's maybe getting a bit whimsical and, uh, <laughs> you know, storytelling and esoteric, but, uh, and I'll get on to when I talk about the model, you know, for people who maybe want something a bit harder, I want to bring that in, uh, in, in real life. But I just want to give that as a bit of a story and say, you know, 
bring your emotions to the ball, but in a, in a, in a managed and a channeled way. And that's not like just going to work tomorrow and like telling everybody what you think of them, because that's not being intelligent with your emotions. Exactly. As much as we might want to do that. Yeah. Um, exactly. I love that caveat you put on there. That's not being intelligent, intelligent with their emotions. You're absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. It, Paul, this all sounds really... If, I, if someone had explained even just that little nugget that you've shared already, um, emotional intelligence to me many years ago when I you know, first came across the subject matter, and I think it was an old line manager of mine years ago, I'd read the Daniel Goleman book and we were talking about mm. it. And um, I think how you've you've shaped that really just helps identify, you know, in a simplistic everyday sense, what, what does that mean and how does that show up? So yeah. talk us through this model that you had mentioned there, if that's okay, because I'd love to find out more and, and maybe how this can benefit um, each of us and, and anyone listening. Yeah. And I had the opportunity before I did go on that course and I looked at other organizations who did courses and yeah. why I chose a six seconds one. One of the main reasons was I just, uh, you know, the emotional intelligence is vast and it's deep and it's like, you know, a, a very subtle and nuanced subject that's taken years and people have studied for far longer than I have and are still learning. But I love the the simplicity of the stuff that six seconds do. The re And it really resonated with uh, that for me. Um and they've got this model called um, uh, KCG, um, and it's a, if you just can visualize a lovely wheel that has three sort of parts to it. Um, and the reason why they chose a wheel, maybe rather than pillars, because it spins, it moves, it's active, it's a it's a working wheel, it's an action process. Because knowing about emotional intelligence and being knowledgeable about it is just no good. It might be fine, good knowledge, chat in the pub, but unless you do something with it, it's not it's not going to work. Um, and this KCG stands for three areas, and I love how they call them pursuits, because these are all action-oriented things to pursue um the k stands for know yourself and this is really around um the what what's going on so in any given moment in any challenge that you're facing if you can go what am i feeling so that's the first question so the question i'm going to ask you so next time you're up against a challenge what am i feeling and research shows that when you start to name your feelings what you do is you maybe reduce some of that overwhelm that you get um uh, you know, where maybe it becomes too high, or maybe even, you know, low mood, you're starting to examine them, you're gathering data about yourself. So that first sense of like, self-awareness, what's going on, because often we talk about self-awareness, but what's the framework for being self-aware? Emotions are the starting point in that, because they're giving you signals as to what's going on for you in that situation. So being able to name those emotions and to be able to understand what those emotions are telling you you know this is you giving yourself some data giving yourself some guidance and unless you're taking notice of that and you understand what you're telling yourself you're then going to have difficulty potentially with the the next area I'm doing this in my head as you go along so and I'll share my example with you when when you've shared all of these because I'm answering these questions so actually on on an experience that I've had in the last few days so this is perfect I'm taking this as self-development for myself today as well thank you for that Paul yeah no problem at all and, and certainly in terms of the next site so we've talked about data gathering your emotional data um and then it's like, well, how are you going to use that data to make a better, more informed decision? 
So this is about being more intentional. This is about deliberately choosing. And I think most of us say, yeah, yeah, I deliberately made that choice. What? You made a deliberate choice. You went into that meeting thinking, I'm going to shout at them today. I'm going to ignore them and not make eye contact. Did you deliberately intend to, to do that? You know, uh, and most people go, no, uh, that wasn't my intention. Um, so what was your intention then? Well, my intention was uh, not to be marginalised or I wanted to be heard. Okay, so that was what you really, you know, <laughs> that, that you know, what, what's that situation? So emotional intelligence helps you gather the data and then go, I'm now going to use that data to make what might be an optimal decision. Yeah. Now, when I say optimal, it doesn't mean the right decision. Unfortunately, for people listening, I can't give them the right answer. And emotional intelligence doesn't give you the right answer. It just gives you choices where in the past you might have been on autopilot and a particular emotion would have just taken you down one route that's familiar. That might work, but it also might not work too. And it, that's the key to be able to distinguish where it does or it doesn't. Um and one of your options might be do what I've always done. Well, that's fine as long as it's a conscious choice rather than a subconscious autopilot choice. Uh, it's not really a choice. It, it just just going with the flow. So yeah. this is this sort of pause so that you can, you know, make a conscious decision. And when you stop, you can actually go, well, okay, what else could I do? What else? What else? You can write yourself down six choices of things that you might do. And you go, okay, well, I'm picking option three then. Let's see how that one goes. Just giving you the better opportunity to get that right outcome. Love that. Um, so again, I'm doing this, I'm writing all this down for myself. Um, so if we're thinking about in those moments when you name, you're able to name that feeling, so once you've named that and you're gathering that data, what comes next? Yeah, so you've gathered the data and then you're going, what you know, you've understood what that's telling you. So, for example, I mean, I used the one earlier, like, you know, disgust uh, and contempt often is around that sort of pushing away. It's telling you that, you, you know, you're ingesting or you're visualizing or you're in the presence of something that is maybe an anathema to you, is hateful, doesn't sit comfortably. It's almost like a poison. It's like that, you know, you bite into an apple and it's got a worm in it or it's got a parrot and you spit it out, don't you? The bit yeah. like you come across maybe somebody's... Um, ideals in life or their behaviors what do you do you reject it you're doing the same you're effectively spitting out or you're pushing away that so disgust has a message you're going well actually it's not anger really it's disgust that's at the root of this so it tells me that i'm pushing away but i need to work with this person my partner or uh, you know on a work project or whatever i need to have a connection with them in order for this project to work successfully in order for us for the business for me and my reputation to to do this better so therefore knowing that data goes okay i now know it's doing this so therefore i might need to address it how could i address it while still building connection while still keeping barriers or you know not being in lack of barriers keeping that sort of doorway open so you're going okay so what options do I have well rather than just ignoring them or pushing them away or being a bit dismissive what else could I do well I could tell them how I feel about something ask how they feel about something and then let's see if we've got any ground that gives us a platform to move forward together but I don't know how that's going to go because I don't know how they're going to react. They'll probably think I'm being weird, firstly, because that's very different of how they've seen me behave before. But because it's a conscious choice. 
I love that. And is that where is that the C part then of the model? Is that the is that no? That? So the final part so is cool. is around aligning those choices. Mm -hmm. So, um, and what I mean by that, it's about connection. So if you're making decisions which are very much, I guess, in the now or or tactically at least, you know, this is like sort of saying, well, what we're going to do today? How am I going to act in this moment? How do I deal with this? It's almost like. Every single decision of every single day, you are building your own house of your life. And I'll use that image of a house. Like, but what vision, what do you want your house to look like? Is it a flat? Is it, you know, what type of roof does it have? Does it have double glazing? Does it have a nice garden? Do you have like a pool? Do you have a study? You're sort of, you're building the vision about what you want your life to look like. You know, what's the vision of how you want to live your life? What person do you want to be? And, you know, how do you want to show up? How can you make good decisions if you don't know those things? If you're not aligning your choices, if you're not sort of taking the bricks that you choose and you're starting to build your house and the vision of your entire life, it's really difficult to make choices because you don't know what's important to you. You don't know what your values are, what, you know, is, is, is core to you. Um, you don't know what your purpose is, you know. So I'm using some big lofty words there. Um, but, but if you have that sort of vision of your life, if you have a choice there that says, that's not how I want to be remembered, that wouldn't be a good version of me. So therefore, it's a choice I can discount because it's not aligned so having that clarity about um, what's important to you, that will help you make your decisions. So I just want to sort of in the wheel then spin. So how do you feel about that? So how will those feelings help you make those decisions? How will those decisions be aligned to the, the person that you want to be in delivering your life's work? Um, but if I want to make that sort of like harder for some people who like that hard language. First step, gather the data. Second step, use that data to make decisions. And then the third thing is about what drives me, what's important to me. Data, decisions, and drive. And so if you're having to use this, or this is what I'll encourage, you know, Laura, and we can have a chat about what this means for you, maybe a challenge that you got, I'd love to hear. But if anybody's listening, start this by asking yourself these three questions. So, Know yourself, what am I feeling? Gather the data. Choose yourself, what options do I have? That pause to go, rather than not being on autopilot, what, what options do I have? And then the final one is, well, what do I truly want to be and do? So look, I know I've said a lot there, I expanded on it, but effectively that KCG, know yourself, choose yourself and give yourself is encapsulated within that. I absolutely love this model massively because it's really, really, I mean, it's in tune with everything I do from a coaching perspective, but as a self-reflection perspective, it's yeah. so invaluable because I know there's many times where, and I'll, I'll share this, I'm, I'm saying this, I'll share this with you, Paul, and all the listeners, of course, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know I've got a certain pattern when I feel pressure so mm. I know that my pattern will be because I say yes to too many things I will then say yes have a big massive to-do list and the feeling I'll experience is that overwhelm and then that overwhelm will lead to procrastination and then mm. that procrastination leads to frustration so that's typically the three patterns that I'll go through whenever I feel at that point of pressure and I I feel like that is 
maybe not a similar approach that some people might experience, but when we're in those pressurised situations um, where we might then react in terms of our responses rather than, you know, taking that time to pause and really name what that feeling is, like I've been able to do before, named that feeling as feeling overwhelmed, uh, named that feeling as frustration, for example, but then being able to do something purposeful with it by choosing what what space you move into next and and giving yourself that that opportunity Mm -hmm. to think, well, what is it that I truly want? This is a fantastic model, a fantastic tool. Um, And could it be used for people in in the workplace thinking about those experiences that they might be having day in, day out, where, you know, maybe it's all sugar one minute and maybe not as sweet the next? How how would people use that in the moment? Yeah. And just to touch uh, briefly on what you mentioned there about overwhelm and overwhelm's a funny one. You know, people use it as like, oh, it's, it's an emotion in itself. But for me, yeah overwhelm is really a cascade of lots of different emotions yeah. because it's because it's like this sort of it's it's sort of almost thinking about like a wave like washing you away but what's in a wave there's lots of things that might make up there there's puddles there's oxygen there's what you know there's probably detritus in there you know what i mean there's lots of things so being able to unpick overwhelm and go with what emotions are there and you mentioned procrastination certainly for yeah. me um at the at the base of my procrastination is sometimes the feeling of hopelessness um and like well where what can i do about this it's just you know it's too much so hopelessness is is a difficult one because i i often have to have to i lack um naturally a, a sense of optimism that things will always go right and so i have to practice optimism um a lot so just thinking about that in the work context too when we use those words like stress and overwhelm they're like almost like a massive umbrella term and the yeah. emotion sort of sits underneath that so um but certainly in the workplace i've seen that with myself but i've seen that with others and obviously in hr you deal with stuff like disciplines grievances redundancies as well as like you know um recruitment and engagement and all of those things uh, and and people um who are making the decisions sometimes you know they have emotions going on that they're not aware of you know that sense of oh they're like me so i'll just pick them but that 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 sense of oh I, I feel good about them because you know, for me like in Newcastle United support and we chat really easily oh, I think they'll fit in great here but maybe ignoring some of the uh, more subtle signs that they don't really have all of the qualities that you potentially might need um, yeah. so if you think about that in terms of recruitment that emotion is shaping that person's decision and if they're not aware that they feel um, uh, somehow connected to or they feel excited about you know, uh, a conversation. How is excitement shaping the outcome? Are you understanding that that's a play? Now, you might still pick that person for good, valid reason, but actually, if if you're not aware that that emotion's there, then that will be shaping how you are making the decision. Never mind if you're getting into maybe more tri- tricky things like um, handling conflict or this sort of problematic stuff. And I look back at some of my stuff and 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 cringe a little bit, like because yeah. you know, not with any bad intention or or malicious sort of you know i'm gonna i'm gonna stick it to you you know it's just more a case of i I just didn't realize that those emotions of maybe worry or doubt were preventing sometimes um a more positive outcome because i was more in fear and protection mode but without realizing that actually fear was a, a a big presence in in that situation for me Oh, this is honestly um, 
powerful stuff. Paul, I'm so glad that you came on and shared this today. So just as a little bit of a, a high level summary recap. So if we're thinking about that delightful KCG model, you described it on a wheel with those three segments. And I love the way that you described that as well, because, you know, our, our emotions are there all the time. It's continually moving. Of course it is. Um, and the KCG being that know yourself, choose yourself and, and give yourself. So what would be just as a, a nice summary, what are the key questions that we can ask of ourselves or others if we're coaching others perhaps for those KCG I know you mentioned them earlier but just one last time just as a final reminder what would those high level questions be yeah so the high level questions are ask yourself what am I feeling yeah what options do I have what do I truly want I love this brilliant and this is such a powerful thing to give to yourself, isn't it? So really useful from a self-coaching perspective and something, of course, that you could be asking of others in your your coaching conversations you might have with clients, private clients, or in the workplace as well, with team members, eh, colleagues, peers, flexible enough to use for all those circumstances, I'd imagine, Paul. Yeah, and certainly just in recent times, like, and I remember coming away from the course thinking in 47, thinking, why didn't I know this before? And yeah. very recently, both in one-to-one -one coaching with somebody and in a group, I did a presentation to a group of tech people, like, they asked the same question. Why? It seems so simple, but why didn't I know this before? It's like a whole new world existed that we didn't have the, the equipment to see. And so, um, you know, for businesses and for individuals, it's like, yes, it's for you. But actually for businesses, all of the, you know, if you think about every single minute of every single day that your people are working for you, emotions will be at play. But what we're doing is we're not noticing them and we're ignoring them and we're not using them effectively. And those um, decisions that we make aren't aligned with individual needs, team needs, and from a strategic business needs either. Because emotional intelligence um, is shown that once, it, you know, your IQ is your entry point to your job. You're already smart at what you do. Your EQ is the differentiator. And research shows that it's twice, has a twice the predictive power as IQ. So it's an IQ is not important. But once you're in that job, whether you're an engineer, an MD or whatever, emotional intelligence is the difference maker. I love this. It is really powerful stuff, isn't it? And I think how you've conveyed that today, Paul, is just a nice simplified way actually because we can sometimes hear these phrases can't we emotional intelligence and think oh wow that's going to be something really detailed and quite grand or quite difficult to grasp and sometimes mm. it, these things can be but actually how you've described that today is spot on I really love how you've you've conveyed that for everyone and hopefully our listeners will be able to recognize how they can start utilizing that model um, every single day if you were giving away another top tip or another um, little nugget of wisdom from the lovely world of Paul what would that be um oh so it's just so many of these things um I, I just it's probably one of the foundational ones but i think it's our relationship with emotions if when you're feeling something try not to think of emotions as good or bad because they're neither they're just data and what you're then doing by having um, that approach is your um, dampening down some of that emotional overwhelm and you're stopping to beat yourself up for maybe some of the feelings you've got and you're moving um, into a more balanced, you know, your feeling brain um, and your thinking brain. So that's just what I want people to do is just invite them to um, think about how they view um, emotions uh, rather than being good or bad, but just as data.
great. Again, I think that's a really nice way to look at it because we can get sometimes I know from my own personal experience, I can get stuck in some of those emotions and mm. trying to think about, well, what is it that I'm experiencing here? What is this telling me from that data perspective can yeah. really shift what your mindset might be or your approach or your viewpoint on something, your perspective even, just to make those more conscious choices and decisions and and giving yourself that opportunity to, to think about what you truly do next. And it's just shifting oh. the control from yeah. your emotion because you aren't your emotions, they aren't you. We often say, I am angry. And again, you know, try not if you catch yourself saying that, say, I am experiencing anger, you know, and it's just that sense of I, I, the emotion isn't me and I'm I'm not it. You know, it's just something that's happening to me right now. And it's like, okay, that's really interesting. So be the self-scientist, what is going on for me? And then you're shifting that control away from that emotion into you going, I'm going to think about what that emotion's telling me. This is where your brain comes more in balance. Honestly, Paul, I mean, you're even more of um, a delight now that you've taken the time to take us all through that today than I already knew that you were. Um, Paul, you're an absolute treasure. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Now, for our lovely listeners um, on the podcast today, we'll um, create for you a, a little one-pager toolkit. So um, all of the toolkit information will, will have all of Paul's details there as well so that you can get in touch with Paul. But in advance of that, Paul, do tell us how would we find you if if anyone listening today thinks this really resonates with me, I want to maybe work with Paul. They maybe want to invite you to do a talk at their organisation or, you know, work with different partners, whatever that might look like. How would we find you? Tell us all your lovely details. Um, well, there's, there's two main ways, really. So um, you can find out um, some bits on my uh, website, uh, which is paulcheatham.co.uk. Um or you can find me on LinkedIn, which is where I, I post more of my content. So it's just Paul Cheatham one. Um, uh, so yeah, either one of those uh, channels, and obviously it's got email contact details and stuff on there. If you wanted to um, send an email through, um, yeah. So those are the two main places to to get a hold of me. Fantastic. And we'll pop all of this onto the podcast show notes. So if you're listening, look at the show notes that are on the podcast information wherever you consume your podcast and you'll find all the lovely connection links to get in touch with Paul. And Paul, I follow you. I'm definitely a fan. So I know that you share really, really helpful, powerful and um, really intentional content for helping others. And that's why it was such a delight that you agreed to, to join the podcast today. Yeah. Um, so thank you so, so much for doing so. Any final thoughts? anything you'd like to share well um as i as i said earlier whenever i do any sort of session i like to finish with some uh, appreciation um so may i give some appreciation for you laura of course that would be very welcome thank you <laughs> uh laura what i genuinely appreciate uh about you first and foremost is uh your uh, dedication to uh detail I, I i love it it makes it so easeful as any of your guests so i don't know if i chose in every aspect of your life but if it's not a tool that you use in every aspect of your life i'd love to see how you maybe could amplify that uh, uh you know uh, more to make that good for people and secondly i think what underlies that is your care and that comes across really strongly as a quality um so um again i'd encourage you to think about how you bring your care and amplify that more in the work that you do for for uh, to, to help you live your life better but uh, to help the people that you're, you're spending time with too so those two things really sort of shout out to me working with you today laura so thank you very much for that and thank you for inviting me along i've loved it 
Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for sharing that. That same, do you know what? That that just landed perfectly for me today's time. If you see my desk right now, you wouldn't be thinking <laughs> I'm that organised in the level of detail. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if any of my um, profiles, like an insights or a disc profile, would probably say I'm the least detailed person. But when it comes to supporting others, I need to make sure things are uh. right. So thank you that feedback it's massively helpful so paul once again thank you so much everyone get on with the lovely paul cheatham coaching and consulting find him on linkedin head on over to his website uh, and if you can and you get the opportunity to see paul live in person maybe as a guest speaker or perhaps maybe facilitating some workshops and programs in your organization i i guarantee you've made a wise choice paul thank you so much for joining me today it's been a pleasure and have a fabulous rest of your lovely week. You too, Laura. Take care. Bye. Bye for now.